Hi guys, welcome back to the Killer Crime Podcast. My name is Georgia. And I'm Martha. And today we're going to be discussing the case of a boy who left for school one day and never came home. So, where is Andrew Gosden? So, rewind back to September 2007. Andrew Gosden was just your average 14-year-old boy. He lived in Doncaster with his mum, dad and older sister. He was very intelligent. He was on the Young, Gifted and Talented programme, which is for kids in the top 5% of their class. He had a 100% attendance record at school and he seemed okay with it. Like school wasn't his favourite place ever to be, but he found it really easy and was predicted all A's at GCSE. According to his family, he had a steady group of friends at school who were similar to him and they got along well, although they would never really meet up outside of school. At home, he preferred to spend time by himself which some people thought could have been an indicator of depression, but it's actually quite common for intelligent people like Andrew to enjoy their own company more than that of other people. Like he was perfectly settled just spending time alone. He was also a bit into the goth scene and listened to music like Slipknot, Marilyn Manson and sort of bands like that. So that was just an overview of Andrew as a person, just seemed a nice, normal, above average kid. So this makes it all the more strange when, on the morning of the 14th of September, 2007, Andrew left his home and never returned. His parents say that he woke up late for school and he was irritable and snappy with his dad. He got changed, left for school as usual, but then once his parents had left for work, he went back home and got changed out of his uniform into black jeans and a black t-shirt. So quick question, how did they know he left and came back? Like, how did they know he didn't just take a change of clothes with him? Okay, basically it's because they knew that he wanted to leave his uniform behind. So he didn't want to take it with him and he left it draped over the chair in his room. Mm. And obviously if he had left the house without wearing his uniform, if he'd had if he'd left the house wearing this like black jeans and black top, mm. his family would have obviously been like, What are you doing? Like mm. you're going to school, like get changed into uniform. Right, right. So he clearly knew what he was doing was wrong and he didn't want to be found out for doing it. Right. Gotcha. So then he went to an ATM, drew out £200, which was basically his entire bank balance, and bought a one-way ticket to London. The ticket person at the station even said they remembered speaking to him because a return ticket was either just like 50p or a pound extra, but he insisted that he only wanted a one-way ticket. He was seen arriving at King's Cross Station in London at 11.20am, and that was the last time he was ever seen. Wow. I just want to quickly chime in here, actually. Um, just for all of our Canadian listener, listeners, a pound is about a dollar sixty, and fifty p is probably about eighty cents. Just so everybody knows, so it's not much more yeah. at all for a round a round trip ticket. Especially if you're going from Doncaster to London, that's like quite a far journey. So only adding on mm-hmm. that amount of money is teeny tiny. Like yeah. pretty much everyone you'd ask would be like, oh, okay, go on then. Yeah, so and we know that he that had the money no. for it. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so after he arrived in London, there was an apparent sighting of him in Pizza Hut in Oxford Street, and someone else reported seeing him in Covent Garden. And his family actually said that these two sightings are quite believable because Andrew liked to visit those places and they'd been there before on family day trips to London. But that was it, literally nothing since. So the police must have then gotten CCTV footage from the Pizza Hut, yeah? Well, actually they weren't able to track him with CCTV. 
Apparently, there was some sort of issue with that. The police didn't request CCTV footage from around that area in London until, wait for this, 27 days no. after his disappearance. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. And obviously by then, there would be barely anything to look over on the CCTV cameras because they tend to write over old footage after a couple of days because they don't want to use up all their storage. Yeah, it's awful. So another point is that buses were free in London for kids around Andrew's age to use at this point. So once he got to King's Cross Station, he could have literally traveled in any direction, like without spending a penny. And he also could have been picked up in a car by someone dodgy or got in a taxi again, maybe paid for by someone else. And a crucial thing here is that obviously when you don't show up for school, the school rings your parents to ask why. And Andrew's school did do this, but the horrible thing here is that they accidentally misdialed his parents' phone number. So they thought they'd left a voice message for Andrew's parents to say that he hadn't shown up, but it had gone to some random person instead. So Andrew's parents didn't even realize he was missing until much, much later that evening. Oh my God. Did, um, just a quick question. Uh, I'm not sure if you know this, but did the person that they accidentally dial, did they, were they able to get the phone call right away and like let somebody know or did they just not come forward? No, nothing more about them. So I guess someone had sort of just got the voicemail and thought, oh, not for me, wrong person, whatever, delete, oh my you know, God. no big deal. Yeah, you would hope that they would ring back and be like, no, this is the wrong number. Yeah, but, you've got to call the right you number. You know, it could have been anyone. Mm. Oh, what a yeah. Pain. So it's at this point when the theories come in. So Andrew had bought his PSP with him to London, but no charger. He'd left that behind at home. So some people have suggested that maybe he went to sell his PSP or trade it in or something. And then something went wrong when he arrived in London and someone took him and killed him. And it's actually interesting to note here that the new version of the PSP had just been released. And, you know, he was a bit on the nerdy side, so maybe he traveled to London to be one of the first people to buy it or something. Like if it was gonna be an extra weight to buy it in Doncaster. And that could also be why he took out the 200 pounds from the ATM as well. Some people suggested that maybe he didn't want his parents to see his bank statement that he'd spent that money on a PSP. So he drew out the money at a cash point instead of using his debit card at a store. And because he had a 100% attendance record, he might not have realized that the school rings home when a kid doesn't show up. As I said, he found school really easy. So maybe that morning he was just in a really bad mood and thought, screw it, I want this PSP. It's not like I'm gonna learn anything from being at school anyway. So I'm just gonna go to London and be the bad kid for once. It's not like anyone will find out anyways. So when the ticket person asked if he wanted to return, he could have also just panicked. Like when people are nervous, they just say the first thing that comes to mind. And he might have been too shy to correct himself or something. Martha jumping in here with a quick word from our sponsor, Priya Javeri. Are you guys feeling stressed, anxious, and not really sure where to turn to for help? Well, I highly, highly, highly recommend the healing portal from Priya Javeri. For just 25 Canadian dollars a month, you get access to over 35 meditations that help heal you so you can move on with your day with a clear mind. Since starting the healing portal, I've noticed a huge decrease in my stress and anxiety levels and a huge increase in my productivity and ability to handle stressful situations. So not sure if the healing portal is right for you? No worries, you get a one week free trial. Seriously guys, Priya has created an incredible way to heal your mind and body and she genuinely cares about every person that signs up. So head over to PriyaJaberi.com, that's P-R-I-Y-A 
J-H-A-V-E-R-I.com or check out her Instagram at Priya Javeri. Now back to the case. Okay, so another theory is that he was groomed online and went to meet up with an older person. All of his devices were searched and he actually used his sister's computer because he didn't have his own and none of them showed up anything untoward. But kids are smarter than you give them credit for sometimes. And if Andrew was doing something that he felt was wrong, he'd so be able to cover his tracks, you know, delete his history and stuff, maybe use the dark web, like anything like that. It's very, very possible Mm -hmm. that he knew that he didn't want to be found out. Mm -hmm. Also, he was like alternative and goth. And oftentimes people who feel like they're a bit different, like outsiders, tend to use internet chat rooms to meet with people that they have stuff in common with. So it is possible that he arranged to meet up with someone in person from one of these chat rooms, even in like a, just a friendship way from his perspective, but maybe they weren't who they said they were. Yeah, I just wanted to chime in here and say that chat rooms and also like video game chats are the most common places for predators to groom young people. So a good example of this is the Casey Woody case. So I'm not sure if anybody has ever heard of this case, but basically she was just this 12 year old girl back in the early 2000s and was talking to a guy in a Christian chat group. Her mom had died when she was like seven or something and she connected with this guy who had a dying aunt. So predators often will find something to connect over and use it to their advantage because it makes it it makes it seem like the the kid is like relying on this predator, you know, for validation, for support, like they just feel very comfortable with these people. So she ended up sending him her address because he wanted to send a picture of himself to her. And of course, now he had her address, so he would later get into her house when her dad and her brother weren't home, kidnap her, rape her, and kill her. So this type of thing could have happened with Andrew. Like if he met somebody online, like a predator, and the predator was able to walk him through everything he was to do that day, like withdraw the money, get the one-way ticket, you know? Um, Something like that totally could have happened. Yeah, exactly. Like Casey probably just assumed she was really safe because she was in a Christian group chat. But it just goes to show that talking to a stranger anywhere on the internet is dangerous, especially when you're so young. Mm -hmm. And like people often like predators will pretend to be 16 year olds. So they're not out and saying like, hey, I'm a 50 year old creepy guy. Like They're pretending to be young. So you feel like you're just talking to a pal. Exactly. Okay, so another theory is that Andrew was maybe questioning his sexuality and finding it difficult to deal with. So his parents were Christians, but they say they weren't super preachy or anything like that. And he hadn't gone to church for about a year and a half before his disappearance. So it's not like it would be their fault at all if this was the reason he disappeared. But he was 14, so I think that is quite a common age for kids to start questioning their sexuality. And I don't know, maybe although he himself didn't get bullied, he could have witnessed other kids at school being bullied for being gay or something. I don't know with that one. There was was no no evidence to suggest that he was gay or bi, but but also nothing to suggest that he wasn't either. Even though his family seemed like lovely people, you don't know how he personally could have felt about it. Maybe he was feeling shame, and that's a really powerful emotion to deal with, especially in your early teens. But then if he was feeling sort of that much shame that he wanted to, you know, go to London and kill himself or something, why would he take all his money out of the ATM? And why did he bother bringing a bag? And also, why would you bother traveling all the way to London from Doncaster to do it? So maybe 
he was going there to run away instead. But then that begs the question, how has he, as a 14-year-old, managed to stay missing for 13 years? That is an insane amount of time to avoid being found by anyone. And I know he was bright, but he literally only had 200 pounds. That amount of money wouldn't have lasted him very long at all. So he would have had to rely on other people. And you then have to be some sort of sicko to help a 14-year-old hide from the world while his distraught family are like begging him to come home. For sure. The main issue with this case is how much Andrew must have kept to himself. His friends and family can't understand why he would choose to go to London. And that's the issue with teenagers a lot of the time. They experience so many emotions and keep it all bottled up until they eventually explode and either go off the rails or alternatively confide in someone else, like the Casey case. In this case, it could have been a stranger over the internet who used Andrew's feelings of loneliness to prey on him. So those are the theories, but there's also been a couple of other events that are a bit strange that have happened since his disappearance. So in November of 2008, a man went into a police station out of hours and said that he had information that he wanted to tell the police regarding Andrew. But because the station was shut, he only said this over the intercom, and by the time the police officer had come out to take his statement, the man had disappeared. Then the BBC aired this on the one show. They received a letter from a person claiming to be the man who went to the police station that day, but all the letter said was that Andrew had been seen in Shrewsbury, but nothing else had come from that, which is just weird. That's really weird. I also just want to quickly chime in for our Canadian listeners. Uh, the BBC is pretty much like CBC, so just like a, a news show. I just want to make sure everybody... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. There have also been reported sightings of Andrew in places like Plymouth, South Wales, South End, and Birkenhead, but obviously none of these have ever been confirmed. Recently, though, the family have received some information that sounds like it could be credible. Someone said that they were talking to someone online with the username of Andy Rue, who was asking for money as their partner had walked out on them. This person said that he didn't have a bank account of his own as he left home when he was 14 because he just felt like it. The family have been particularly interested in this lead because their childhood nickname for Andrew used to be Rue. But you never know with these things, there are a lot of sick people out there who could easily pretend to be Andrew for attention. And maybe the family have mentioned before in interviews that Rue was his childhood nickname. So although it sounds hopeful, you just can't trust it 100%. Andrew's family really struggled to believe that he just walked out that front door one day with no intention of ever coming back home. They say he was close to his sister. So if he had any issues, he would have just confided in her. And he was just such a genuinely sweet and loving boy. And he was smart enough to know the pain it would cause his family if he just walked out on them. So I do personally think the most likely scenario here is that Andrew somehow fell victim to being groomed online by someone who took him and killed him. I don't see that he's committed suicide and his body was never found, especially as his parents even paid for a private company to do a sonar search of the River Thames. Central London is obviously one of the most built up areas ever. Like if he had killed himself by the methods that would have been available to him as a 14 year old, I just feel like his body would have been found by now. And the idea that a 14 year old could just up sticks with 200 pounds and a PSP and restart his whole life without a trace, without help from an adult anyway, I just don't see that being possible. So yeah, that's pretty much all there is to the case. It's so, so sad. My heart breaks for his family. They've had such a rough time trying to deal with this for the past 13 years. 
But the thing they struggle with the most is just the complete lack of closure. They won't ever stop trying to find him because there is obviously still a possibility that Andrew is still out there somewhere, too afraid to come home after all this time. They have a website set up dedicated to help finding him and I'll make sure to put that in all the links in the podcast description box. So that is the story of Andrew Gosden. Andrew is obviously still missing to this day. So if you have any information, please contact Crime Stoppers as they do accept tips anonymously. So thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoyed today's case. Not that you can enjoy a case about a 14 year old disappearing, but but remember to be loud, be fierce and don't talk to killers. Bye, Bye guys. guys.